Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Rangers Review morning briefing on Wednesday, the 8th of February. Uh, still me in the hosting chair. Derek is off, still on a well-deserved break, uh, but delighted to be joined by Stevie Clifford. Again, today we're going to speak about squad depth, looking uh, specifically at, at Stevie's column this morning and kind of the competition for places at the top end of the pitch. And of course, uh, any questions you might want to raise at all as well. Just before we start, a reminder to subscribe to our YouTube channel uh, and our website as well to support our work. You can see the ticker on the the at the bottom of the screen, um, at the moment, you can win two free tickets to hospitality for the weekend's game against Partick Thistle in the Scottish Cup. All you need to do is put in your email address. The link is in the description for that as well. And as you know by now, Seneca, um, who bring the, bring the podcast to you here, Restoration Business, the best in Europe, as Derek would say, have treated over 43,000 hairless sufferers. If you are thinking about it, they are the place to go. Uh, the link, again, is in the description if you want to read more about Seneca. Um, Stevie, just before we start, I know the other day when we were on, it was just before the sad uh, news um, reached us about Billy. I, I know you want to just give a wee tribute to that just before we kind of kick off today. Oh, you're on mute, Stevie. As most people will know now, um, Billy Thompson sadly passed away. Um, Billy, ex-Rangers um, player, he played seven times for Rangers, mostly as backup to um, Andy Gorham and the likes of Theo Snelders, Colin Scott, etc. But Billy had a wee run. He played some important and big games for us. He actually played against Juventus in the Champions League and also played against Celtic in one of the end-of-the-season games as well at Hamden. So um, Billy went on to coach. He, um, he's coached Alan McGregor, um, Stefan Kloss, amongst others. So um, just condolences to Billy's friends and his family. Um, and, you know, his loss will be felt by everyone. Um, a great servant to Rangers Football Club um, and, you know, the um, performances he put in over the years. I think he was capped by Scotland, um, I think I'm right in saying seven or eight times as well. So he was a phenomenal goalkeeper for Dundee United on their run to the 1987 um, UEFA Cup final, I believe, as well. So all tribute to Billy this morning. It's never nice to have to pay these sort of tributes, but... Um, I think fitting, um, Joshua, that we should uh, pay our respects and apologies, um, folks. It was kind of, it, it just slightly missed us the other day and, and Joshua and I wanted to, to pay tribute this morning. So um, condolences to all Billy's friends and family. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I know um, uh, Derek and Johnny will be uh, passing that on as well. Derek put a nice tweet um, about Billy as well, um, just speaking about kind of his his contact with him and, and how good he was to deal with. So completely echo uh, that, Stevie, um, about Billy Thompson. Um, we're going to talk today, as I said, Stevie, about your piece, your excellent uh, column that's went out slightly early this week uh, on Wednesday morning instead of Friday morning. Um, again, folks, the link to that is in the description. Um, but correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, effectively what you're saying is Rangers now have too many players for not that many positions. And that's a good thing because as Michael Beale kind of alluded to throughout the whole of January, that will drive um, competition in the squad, won't it? Yeah, I think it's no secret. We've discussed this before. The squad is pretty big. And what we now have to do is streamline that squad. And it's up to the players to fight for their places in the squad and also to show their quality. When you look at in the actual article, I go through each section um, of the team, defence, midfield, striker, goalkeeper, etc. And I think it's pretty clear 
um, where we need to do work. But also, you know, if you if we're thinking, I think it's reasonable to say people would maybe want anywhere between four and six summer arrivals. We've spoke about that. So if you think about that in terms of the numbers we already have, Joshua, I don't think it's unfair to say that as many as 10 might be looking to move on this summer because of just the squad size. If we think about particularly the attacking places where Michael Beale was talking about, I think in that article I managed to name 10 without even checking. So if you categorise that into more or less playing four at the back, is two holding, controlling midfielders, and then the three. In that three, there's 10 vying for those places. And as you know, that doesn't work. We can't afford to have um, guys getting a high wage, not performing or not getting picked for the first team. So the next few months are, are vital, not only for Michael Beale to put his, his stamp on the squad and to continue his good form and hopefully to bring home some silverware, but it's up to the players now to fight, fight it out and decide who's going to come with them. So, you know, the arrival of, of Nicholas Raskin and Todd Cantwell, I think are going to be really astute business. I think that um, we, we've seen a wee bit of, of Raskin, albeit only 10 minutes, so hopefully we'll see more of him, but there's a lot of excitement there. Yeah. He's going to sit into the kind of controlling midfield positions. So it's going to be him and one other. So if you think about Kamara, Lundstrom, Ryan Jack. Now, understand Ryan Jack's going out of contract. The manager's made it quite clear in his press conference, Joshua, that he would like that to stay and he's eager for that to be sorted out um, quite quickly. So if you if you listen to that and take that for granted that he'll be staying, I think that four is kind of settled in there. Now, um, if, if somebody left, say Glenn Kamara left, we would replace him. So there might be capable, but as it stands at the moment, you know, if we're looking at that three in front of them, there's a um, there's a hell of a competition in there, Joshua. You know, there is. Yeah. Um, but what I also pointed out from that three is that they need to. This is where Rangers and and the article talks not only about the squad debts, but it talks about something that we haven't done, something we really need. We need goals in this team. Um, and if you look about, you know, those three positions. They, they have to start contributing. We should be looking for 10 or so more. And that and it also talks about um, a wee bit about Malik Tillman and his numbers this season, which is why the more it goes on and the more he produces for the fee that we're potentially going to be paying for him. If somebody came in and offered us, you know, £5 million, we would laugh at it for Malik Tillman. So it's quite an in-depth um, kind of article but it, it's it's an easy read, I think, Joshua. It doesn't, um, as as people know that have followed my stuff, I leave the stats and all that to the boys that can understand them. That's your job, Joshua. I talk more literally, just maybe like a fan would, um, and that's what I try and do in my articles. I just talk to people as if they were a fan sitting, because that's what I am. So it's looked upon from a fan's angle and, and what we try and think about. Well, we've got 10 who's the one that's going to be staying, who would you like to see staying, who's going to battle it out. So Michael Beale said it's uh, it's up to the guys now to battle it out. And if you think about it and look at it all on paper, it really is. There's quite a bit of competition there. Yeah, well, I'm going to pull up this uh, squad depth chart at the moment, Stevie. This has, I think, everyone on it apart from Stephen Davis because obviously his injury was season-ending. And while we've not seen Phil Hollander for a while, um, there's still that, that chance. So that's the logic behind it. Um, 
if I have missed anyone, then you can type an angry comment to me. Um, but I did it quickly this morning. It is that kind of, and again, this isn't written necessarily in order of preference um, per se between Lawrence and, Lawrence and Hadji. I think that's quite equal. For example, we know that Sakala's played the majority of games under Beal and, and he gives you those goals, Stevie. But if you look at that kind of, let's say that three behind um, the main striker, because I think we there's some certainties we know about Beal's team. There is going to be these two um, these two holding midfielders, two controlling midfielders. Um, some would call them defensive. I think you were right to say, Stevie, that it's more, they're not just there to defend, they're there to facilitate and, and allow the fullbacks to go high, but also um, keep the opposition pinned in and counter-press um, as Stephen Davis and Glenn Kamara did so well a couple of seasons ago. Um, behind the striker, you're going to have then your central striker, which at the moment has been Alfredo Morelos, and then you're going to have one of three Either it's going to be Sakala or Cantwell, as we've seen so far. And then in every game, I think, bar two, where Tillman's not started, it's been Kent and Tillman. Um, if you look at the numbers behind the striker, though, Stevie, that is uh, a lot of players. And if you're looking into next season, someone like Scott Wright or Ravi Matondo or even someone like Alex Lowry, who still needs to make that breakthrough. Uh, Yanis Hadji coming back from his injury. Tom Lawrence, obviously, has come here to play football and also been injured. Scott Arfield's out of contract in the summer. That is the area of the team where it's really, really busy and perhaps where we'll see a couple of people go in the summer. But also, to counter that, Stevie, Beal's spoken a lot about using subs um, so far, uh, using the, the, the five people he can from the bench to bring on. And if Rangers are going to play what they would hope would be, you know, certainly north of 50, 55, up to 60 games as they did last season, if they're in both cups, if they can have a European run next season, then they will need that depth to to not only drive competition, um, but allow them, allow Michael Beale to try and change games from the bench. Yeah, absolutely. I think the thing is, though, if you look at those three positions, 10's too many. So that's going to have to be, definitely going to have to be cut down and streamlined a wee bit. And this is interesting. There was a comment made by Michael Beale, and not too many people picked up on it, but my ears immediately pricked up when I heard him talk about it. He said that Rangers can now survive without Ryan Kent. We've now got the numbers. We could, if, if both Ryan Kent and Alfredo Morelos, we, we have the quality and numbers there. He felt if they weren't there now, couple of ways to interpret that. Maybe Michael Beale's playing the game of, you know, just a wee warning to the guys as well that, you know, this squad is now getting to where he wants it to be. Um, and we can sit and everybody will have a difference of opinion and maybe people will say we still need this. But if Ryan Kent came in, out the team tomorrow, Todd Cantwell could effectively yeah. go straight into his position and, and play exactly like he does, drifting out from the left-hand side with Barisic or Yilmaz overlapping. So that's maybe a wee, a wee fire um, sideways to him. If Kent was to go, Cantwell would swap over on that chart and it would leave Sakala and Matondo, which would, would probably lead us to, to the thinking that he might dip into the market. If he was already looking at Whitaker on that right side, would he go back for somebody else right side? I think that's a fair assumption. In the centre, I think we're fairly covered. If you think about Tillman, Hadji, Lawrence, yeah. Got Arfield. Um brilliant player, capable of, of doing things as we've seen up at Aberdeen and things like that. But he's now really fighting for his squad position. He's not been involved lately. So minutes for him might be difficult. And that's even without Tom Lawrence being fit. So there's a yeah. lot in there. And we have to get <clears throat> excuse me, we have to make sure that Alex Lowry 
still gets his minutes as well, Joshua, because his little ten minute cameo at Tynecastle is exactly what he needs. Yeah. Um, and so you've got guys like the guys that I would worry about in that selection would be Matondo, would be Scott Wright, would be Scotty Arfield, maybe to a lesser extent. You know, would we if we got an offer for Fashion Sakala and things like that, would we facilitate that to bring others in? There is I, options there, but yeah. I think the majority of the quality in there is settled. Yeah, I, I want to talk about the centre back position as well, Stevie. Um, yeah. but I think Sakala now has worked his way in, and we'll maybe come off the squad depth chart because we've we've seen a lot of that, but I think Sakala is now in a position where um He's shown himself to be a really important player domestically. And, and Beal's made a few comments as well, kind of saying this is what he was recruited to do. He was recruited to be a number nine. And I think by a number nine, he means, again, we're maybe talking in roles and not positions because, again, that squad depth chart is not saying that Cantmill's going to play in the right wing. It's just you need to yeah. fit players in somewhere. Um, but Sakala can give you that flexibility because at points he'll start off the left, at points he will start wide on the right, like uh, Kilmarnock away and make an impact from there, like at Tyne Castle when you're playing away from home and the game's maybe a bit more stretched. Whereas I thought at the weekend against Ross County, although he didn't always have great success with it, I thought he was better taking the ball into feet and turning. And and this is the first actual run of games that he's been given um, domestically, as we've said before, apart from after the split last season. And I think he's showing that over the course of the summer domestically, um, over the course of the season, sorry, domestically, he will give you more than, than he takes away. I don't know if he's ever going to be someone like a Kent or, or a Morelos who is just a nailed-on starter. As you say, and we can come on to that, I think it's healthy that Rangers move away from that. And I think Ryan Kent will benefit from having a player like Tillman and Cantwell next to him. And, you know, the space that will grant him or the fact that it's not like before where opponents only had to deal with Ryan Kent at points earlier in the season and then there was no one in the Rangers team that was going to go past them. But I think Sakala's actually, for me, kind of becoming a really important player for Michael Beal because of the options he gives you. And and again, to, to take those attacking options you say, Stevie, they're all different. Hadji's going to play that role different from Lawrence. Maybe he's more of a passer from um, those areas kind of behind the striker. Um, we've already seen what type of player Todd Cantwell is, and that's only after two games. Brian Kent, I think, has been a lot better under Michael Beal. Malik Tillman, for me, has been Rangers' best player this season. Um, but for me, yeah, I think Sakal has actually become quite an important player in, in this team. I, I want to talk about Kent um, because, aside from all the conversation about is he going to stay or not, Stevie, I think it's interesting to look at his performances. And to, to go back to that point I've just made, I don't think he's ever had someone, obviously under Gerard, that was always on the right side of those two number tens. Now with Beal, it's kind of he's one of four attackers. I don't think he's ever been in a position where he has someone like Tillman and Cantwell next to him who can offer just as much of a threat, um, and the opposition have to kind of deal with just as intentionally. If you think back to earlier games of the season, Livingston at home, St Mirren away, where Rangers drew both those games one-one, it was kind of if you can shut Ryan Kent down and you can put two men on him you're going to keep Rangers quiet. They're not going to get in behind you. What, what do you make of, and again, looking at his goals and assists, but also his performances overall, Stevie, what, what do you make of how he's kind of benefited from playing alongside those two? And as a second point, it looks like it's fun to play in. And although that's a simple thing to say, 
for a lot of the last year domestically, it's not like looked like a fun team to play in. And, and things like that surely come into when a footballer is deciding their future. Where am I going to play my best football? Where am I going to be happiest? As we've heard Conor Goldson saying recently in an interview. Um, I think he's going to enjoy playing in this system with these players and that can obviously make an impact on his decision in the summer. Yeah, just to, to go back slightly to a point you made there, I've actually discussed this a wee bit um, when Todd Cantwell first came and, and earlier in the window that if you put intelligent players around Ryan Kent, he'll get better and he'll thrive off it because he's not at times sitting with, with four in front of him. One of the games you mentioned there, the Livingston game at home where John Lundstrom equalised quite late and then subsequently we went on to miss a couple of chances. If, if you go back and watch that, it's quite ridiculous really. Ryan Kent picks up the ball countless times on the left and he's pinned on that left wing and he's got three or four, not only one or two, Joshua, but three or four all there. And he's yeah. having constantly to, to battle that. Now, everybody watching might say Ryan Kent doesn't give you enough and he's not been enough goals. Since Michael Beale came in, he's got two and two, I believe, which isn't quite where we need or want him to be. I would want a few more numbers for that kind of side. But Ryan Kent's also been a... Very unlucky in certain games. If you think about the times that he's hit the post, Celtic at home, he went on to score in that game. You think about also just Saturday there, he rattled the crossbar. Um, quite un he was he was very unlucky, but he's also influencing the game more. He's in a lot more yeah. shooting positions. Um, it was his shot up at Pataudry that yeah. came out to Arfield, which he put in. So stats sometimes are great, as we all know, but they're not an indication. I think you've got a lot more off of Ryan Kent. Look at his build-up at Hamden, when he, he was yeah. the one that made Ryan Jack's goal. He, he effectively yeah. put the boy on, then released Jack to go and play the one-two with Morello. So he's, a, he's had a lot of different kind of goal involvements. Now, I still think on the left-hand side, he needs a goal return up there with the title-winning season, which I think he was about 10 but his, yeah. assists, his assists were massive. I think assist-wise, he was up at maybe around about 17, 18. Now, he got 20, 21 assists last year, if I remember rightly. Those stats might be out one or two. But we need those sort of numbers for him. And I think that, you know, if you get Tillman and if you get Cantwell and, and people like that around him, then, as, as we're seeing, he's going to produce other things. He also needs striking options. I think that's fair to say. And, and largely, if we're talking about the article again at the start, it talks a wee bit about what we're going to need mm -hmm. up front. And I think when we did the title year, we had Alfredo getting, I think, maybe 18 goals plus what we got in Europe and things from him. So he was up somewhere around 25 for the season. But then you had Jermaine Defoe, who was pitching in 12 to 15, and I think Kamar Roof was up at 16, 17, 18, around that as well. So the goals were evenly spread, but we actually had a threat. Kamar Roof was the big um, outlier, I think, that we don't have at the moment. If you think about that season, Kamar Roof for three months just before Christmas, including his performances and goals against Benfica and Liège and stuff, was, was untouchable. And then he, he kind of came out of the team a wee bit, but towards the end, he... Um, really kicked on with a couple of goals in old firms and Aberdeen and stuff like that. So that's what we don't have at the moment, largely because Antonio Cholak's been injured. Yeah. He's not been able to hit the ground running. So we don't maybe have those options. Alfredo's a different kind of striker. People have talked about Alfredo maybe not giving you those numbers, but 
Alfredo's number since Michael Beale came in are incredibly high, Joshua. I think they are, I think he's on the around six, about six and eight league starts is. Yeah, goal wise, but he's yeah. also had assists. He must have had yeah. at least four or five as well. So his goal involvements, well, you know, going towards a dozen um, goal involvements for Michael Beale's time in charge. But he's maybe not going to get you 20, 25 goals, elite goals a season. But there's a difference. And I wanted to kind of bring this up, Joshua. It's good that we've stumbled upon this. Interested to hear what people think. Alfredo Morelos is getting played a lot differently now to what he was before. The amount of times we play it into him and he's holding and people are running off him and running beyond him. Now, you've seen it on Saturday with Todd Cantwell. He knew that he could hit him. But also, if you look at previous weeks, we were seeing um, the likes of Ben Davis and the likes of Conor Golton hitting Morelos straight away for him to hold and people to run past. Yeah. So we're definitely using him more effectively and trying to use his strengths. Now, his strengths is the big bully and bustling kind of number nine and people run off him. So there's a different... Alfredo's not maybe that number nine, but it, the dynamic we're maybe looking for is Alfredo 60 minutes, then somebody else to come on. So if Alfredo stays, and it's a big if, we don't know where that is at the moment, and the club have been kind of tight-lipped. And for anyone looking for the information... Michael Beale said he knew a wee bit more about it, but he couldn't really release it to us, Joshua. That was last week in the press conference. So that's kind of the latest bit of where we are with him. It'll be interesting to see what's going to happen. But I think if he if, if Morelos did stay, then we would be looking for somebody else that maybe is a wee bit prolific off the bench. And, and there was a lot of times Jermaine Defoe used to go, come on and get three, four goals. Um, or number three, number four goals in games, but they would be doing exactly what we're maybe not doing the now, which is killing teams off and, and really pressurising and getting those numbers. So that's that's a bit about where the article looks at and where I think we need to be looking at in the summer strength-wise. It doesn't, it doesn't neglect the goalkeeping situation or anything. It doesn't not discuss that. But you said you also want to discuss a wee bit about the centre back position, Josh. Yeah, well, I, 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 well, we'll get to that. But I think you've raised a really interesting point about uh, Morello, Stevie, because he needs goals around him, doesn't he? And he does, if, yeah. He needs if a, yeah. Yeah, and if he's in a team with, I think, Sakala and Tillman, I think Sakala and Tillman. Let's say Michael Beal comes in as, as a whole start to the season with this squad. I think Tillman definitely scores at least ten goals in the league. Yep. Maybe more than that. I think Sakal is looking towards more of the 15 mark uh, domestically in the league. That's maybe not quite. I, I think Roof was at about 15 in that tight winning season without, um, you know, he missed quite a lot of football as well. Yeah, but if you take, I think the last week sums up Morelos perfectly. Um, he, he's taken, I think it's three more touches in the opposition box than during the 55 uh, season. Um he is playing slightly higher under Beal, but you're right. I think at the weekend, you've seen how often Davies is fizzing the ball into him directly. And and the goal's a perfect example at the weekend because if you look where Cantwell picks the ball up, I think there's six county players in the proximity of him and Morelos. But but it's clever because he can take them out by playing it into Morelos. Morelos is strong. He knows what to do. I always think that Morelos is... You can tell he's playing better and in a better vein of form when he's not shooting from stupid uh, locations. And I think you've seen that perfectly at, at Tyne Castle where he's slipping the balls around the corner and he actually went by his, his man a couple of times at the weekend. But I think that last week domestically sums him up brilliantly because he should score two, at least maybe three at home to St Johnston. 
he goes and obviously scores in a theoretically more difficult game away from home against Hearts and then doesn't score at home to Ross County. It's a great point that you can't just look at, you know, take take uh, Kent as an example. You can't just look at goals and assists because look at the game where Rangers beat Hearts 1-0. I think it was Gio's second last game and Tillman scores that goal. It's all Kent beats three men in the build-up to that and lays it onto Barisic, who, yes, plays a nice cross, but what's the more difficult action there? The assist or Kent going past three men from the touchline and setting it up? So that's why I, I think you're right, Steve. You can't, we can't just look at Kent's had two goals and two assists. I think anyone who's watched his performances under Beal will say he looks to be in a better place and is making more of a contribution. I think the semi-final as well is a great example because although he doesn't get an actual goal contribution, he was so active and running from the middle of the pitch and obviously makes uh, Ryan Jack's goal. Um, for me, there still needs to be more from Morelos. There needs to be a longer stretch of performances. Yeah. If you're really going to bank on him being the player that you trust there and he is your number nine, because also at times you have to move on from players and you can't forget the start of the season, what went on there. Um, but I, I totally agree with you. I, I think he looks in a much better place and, and, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think we'll look at his stats maybe tomorrow, maybe uh, sometime coming up just to see how, how he's comparing. And, and on Cholak, you're right, he's not actually had a chance yet. And and it's easy because he's been away for so long, people will say Beal doesn't like him or doesn't like his, um, his style. But I just don't think we can come to that conclusion because he's been in, what, three or four matchday squads so far. Um, and, and you're maybe going to need to see a few more games to... To come to that conclusion, because um, logic would tell you, although it's a different style of football that you'll have to play under Beal, he's not going to have lost that finishing touch that was so lethal um, earlier in the season. So, uh, yeah, definitely one to keep an eye on, but maybe not one that I, I'm not confident saying yet that, that um, he's not going to have a future at all under Beal, because I think that Beal will, will want to kind of harness his his um, goals in that team. He's just not really had the opportunity to do that yet. Um, Joshua, just to, to... On that point, yeah. football can change so quickly. If Antonio Cholak suddenly comes in in a game and and, and bags a goal here and, and a double there, everybody will be talking about him as being as being vital again. You know, we know how quickly things change. If you look at Glenn Kamara after Tynecastle, people will say that um, that's him back to where he should be. So, I. I Football, you know, I, I won't be writing anyone off at this point. Um, Antonio mm. Cholak, he needs games. I think he looks quite rusty at the moment. He looks like somebody that, that's at yeah. the start of a pre-season. But he's had quite a nasty injury. I think he's missed maybe about six weeks. Now, if you look at the last player that we had like him, and I'm not saying he's anywhere near skill or, or, or finishing ability, but say we compare him with Chris Boyd, you know, in terms of that out-and-out goal-scorer approaching, if you left Chris Boyd or Chris Boyd was out for a wee while, then he would say the same thing, that he was rusty and he needed games and he needed time. So Antonio Cholak's the exact same. You might see Antonio Cholak start on, on Sunday. It would be an ideal time, I think, to get him in amongst and we'll see how he does. So I think you're right not to completely write him off. And as I said, football football can change very quickly. A couple of goals and he'll be right back in the everybody's thinking again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, right, let's talk finally about the the centre back position. Stevie, um, Ben Davies and Connor Goldson have, I think, started every game together since. And I know this was covered yesterday, but um, I think it's every game since Ross County away on the twenty third. 
I think because Davies came off the bench against Aberdeen, I could be wrong. Uh, certainly in the league, I think that that is. Um, I think over the last week, Davies has started to um, maybe put in quietly quite consistent performances. Um, there's interest in background to the Davies situation because he actually hasn't played much football in the last couple of years. And he alluded to this in a recent press conference when he was saying that um, he's just not had match minutes. And that is kind of how you get rid of the niggling injuries is, you know, you can train as much as you want, but it's not the same as, as playing games. Um, I'm of the opinion that what he, that he's, he's not the most dominant in the air. I don't think anyone's going to tell you that's his, that is his biggest strength. And there has been times, I think, where you see teams target that a little bit. But I'm of the opinion that you look at his pass and the balance he brings. I think he is a, a clever defender one-on-one -on, -one on the ground. I just think he's slightly different sometimes to what we think in, in the traditional mode of a defender has to be. Um, I don't think it's a bad thing to have two centre-backs in Goldson and Davies that have differences. But saying all that, I still think Buell will want to bring in a different profile of centre-back in the summer for different types of games now and again, Stevie. Uh, and because of depth, because Halander obviously has been injured for so long. Leon King still 18. Um, John Suter, obviously, we all know the background to that situation and he's still waiting to, to kind of get back. I, I think bringing in a centre-back for, for depth, if anything, Stevie, is, is a must in the summer. Yeah, I don't see him spending a big amount of available transfer funds and I think he'll be quite smart. I think we're maybe looking at picking up somebody on a Bosman or or somebody young, maybe something like that. I, I don't, like, for example, you know, we've had big outlays, Goldson, Davies, Holanda were all big money. I don't see that happening. I would I would think that Michael Beale budget, he would maybe look the forward areas to spend that. If you look at the defensive unit, wing back, uh, or full back rather, centrally, it's kind of okay. Now, Philip Hollander is going out of contract in the summer. He's still two or three months away. Unfortunately, I don't think we'll see him again in the Rangers jersey. He's, you know, I hope we do. I hope we get a chance to see that, but I don't see it happening. And it's a shame because he's still at a very good age for a centre-back, but yeah. he's super unreliable. And that kind of outlay and wage structure and things goes back to what I said at the very start. We need to maximise who we've got. So I agree. I, I do think that We'll see a different type. Now, I've had my reservations about Ben Davis, but I'm not going to sit here and say that he hasn't performed well in the last couple of um, games. He has been quietly effective, um, especially on the ball. Yeah, Like you said, maybe this is my thing, and I said it at the time, maybe it's me who needs to adjust to him rather than him proving to me because something you said there is, is true. I don't think he is going to be that dominant, you know, tough tackling um, kind of physicality that we that I'm maybe used to the centre backs having, but this could be a wee bit like Halander Balogun situation where Ben Davis gets somebody else in and they just juggle those positions. And I'd be more than happy with that, depending on obviously who came in. All credit to Ben Davis. I've said it before, and and people have said you know you you maybe doubted him, and then listen. Absolutely. I wasn't convinced by him at all. And I'm not sitting here saying suddenly he's won me over 100%, but I like what I'm seeing from him and he's performing better. So I do agree with you. And if you look a wee bit deeper, once Holander goes, your other centre-halves are John Souter and Leon King. Now, yeah. I think Leon King's done really well, but also confidence-wise, we need to build him up. Would they consider putting him out on loan? That's not a million miles away, I think. But also, John Souter... 
needs some game time before the end of the year just to get him back up to speed. So we're, we're taking our time with him. I think that's what Michael Beale said. He had a slight reaction to it, not an injury, just a slight reaction, which sometimes players get. You've got to remember, he's been out best part of maybe six months. So we need to watch what we're doing with him. And then hopefully he becomes a reliable um, kind of, I suppose backup would be the word, because he's not going to play in front of Conor Goldson. But yeah. interestingly, John Suter, on his game, as we seen in the cup final last year against us, could be really effective for Rangers. So it's all dependent on what happens with him. But regardless of that, I'm definitely with you. I think we could bring in and should bring in somebody else. I just don't see a big budget outlay there, Joshua, because yeah. you know you think about maybe spending five million on on Malik Tillman, which I think now becomes that necessity that I spoke about and we've all spoke about um, just his form recently. I think that becomes. I know how much you like him, um, but if that's out of there, maybe having to spend on a couple of strikers or whatever. I don't see Rangers having a twenty-five million pound budget in the summer. I think somewhere in the region of maybe five to ten is where we're going to be. If we get more, great. So I don't see three or four million coming for a centre back that necessarily wouldn't start ahead of Davis and Goldson all the time anyway. So maybe a wee bit of of smart budgeting and, and kind of purchasing in there. You've got Hollander's wages, which you could use and offer. So it's not really affecting that too much. But I'm definitely with you. Somebody else in there particularly for strength and depth. Maybe somebody like a Balogun. Not not him necessarily. I think his time's obviously gone, but that was a smart purchase. He picked him up yeah. for free and he was really good. Somebody like him, mate, I think would work really, really well. Yeah, maybe a different profile in there just to give that depth. Um, totally agree, Steve. Stevie, thank you for your time as ever. Thanks, everyone, for joining us as ever. We'll be back tomorrow morning, obviously continuing to look ahead to the weekend and, and any other topics as well, uh, which we're already uh, always happy to discuss. Um, Rangers not in action, obviously, until the weekend. No midweek game, um, which has been quite rare over the last uh, year, a bit of a class of midweek for us here. Um, so we'll look into some more topics tomorrow. Until then, uh, do subscribe to our YouTube channel. Remember, enter for free into the chance to win hospitality tickets at the weekend. That All the information is on the ticker below in the description on the website as well. Um, and good luck with that. Uh, subscribe to the website as well. And until tomorrow, we'll speak to you then.